0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. Welcome to episode 45 of the Big Fly Pod with your co hosts Vinny D'Amato and Tilu. Very, very exciting interview here today. Uh, today we have the pleasure of interviewing, in my opinion, the best expert in the game when it comes to international baseball and the WBC. If you watched the WBC WB, uh, this past year and didn't follow him on Twitter during that time, you truly miss one of the best go-to social media experts in the game when it comes to the landscape of international baseball. He is the host of the WBC Central show that you can find on the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast channel on Apple and Spotify. He recently, huge news, became a part of the content team for the newest baseball organization called Baseball United. We will let him share here in a little bit of what that league is all about and his amazing role with it. Welcome back is our first official recurring guest, Sean Spradling. Sean, welcome back to the show, brother. First official
1: returning guest. That's incredible. I had no idea. Episode forty-five. This is a special one.
0: Yeah, it is. It is, and and a lot of people are talking about it. And and it's funny too because you technically were our recurring guest, but I'm I'm kind of like we're kind of re-running this show through, getting it revamped, and so we're just gonna throw you that headline. We should have thrown it on the Streamyard headline for you uh, as love you're it. at that level now. So no, I love
1: it. Well, I had a blast last
0: time. So. I'm excited to, to come on the uh, podcast again this time. It's going to be good, man. It's going to be good. Well, I think, Sean, before we go into your role, because I know it's been a little bit since we last chatted uh, during the WBC, why don't we just go ahead and fill in anybody that's listening for the first time on our show. What. Really got you into international baseball and becoming an expert in 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 this field when you end up all of a sudden you're interviewing John Morosi. like you've had a lot of great things happen. You've been to the WBC gold medal game. Um, We've seen a lot of things happen for you, but we'd just love to learn how that journey started and how you got here. Yeah, man. i It's been a wild year. And honestly, at this point, it's, it's just over a
1: year, like a year and a half or so that I've been covering international baseball, uh, like seriously, more than just a fan. I uh, went to school for sports management and business. So I always knew I wanted to work in sports. Um, that's always kind of been the goal, but didn't really know what that would look like coming in uh, after already graduating a few years prior, tried, trying to move into the industry laterally um but yeah it all kind of started for me with one the wbc in 2017 um it was so much fun to watch like it was the first time i had really ever seen international baseball growing up in in texas playing baseball throughout high school like i never really watched any baseball outside of mlb i didn't even know they really existed um so that was like my first taste at international baseball um it was a blast The Puerto Rico team was so much fun. Obviously, like Japan's always super fun. USA won. So uh, that was a ton of fun to see. Um, So that was like my first taste of international baseball. And then in 2018, I actually got to visit my wife's family in Brazil. Uh, That's where all of her family is from. And that happened to be the summer that uh, the World Cup was happening. Um, And so that opened my eyes to what international sport can look like. The entire country shut down, we had watch parties like every couple of days, um, just an absolute blast seeing like the passion that they had for like the national soccer team in Brazil. So it's like, oh, well, I wonder what that could look like if we had some sort of thing like that in baseball. Um, and of course, like the logical transition from that to baseball is the World Baseball Classic, like we have the Olympics, but professional players don't play in that or at least haven't previously. So the World Baseball Classic was the first time that we've been able to see like the best players from every country play against each other. Um, So coming into last year when they announced that it was going to be happening again in 2023 this year, I was super excited for it. I was looking up all of this information about like, oh, I wonder who's going to play on the teams, who is going to coach, like what the Uh, the rosters are going to look like. And there was no information out there whatsoever. (laughs) Like no one had talked about it in like four or five years, obviously, because of 2020, it was delayed even farther. So um, I kind of just took it upon myself to like capitalize on that niche and started covering the WBC. I like made team graphics for every all 20 countries, Um, reached out to like some of the federations around the world for different national teams. And had like a really great response from a lot of fans and uh, personnel on those teams of like, Hey, there's no one that really covers all 20 national teams, mostly like, like there's Dominican reporters that cover the Dominican league and the Dominican players. And then there's like Japanese reporters that cover the Japanese national team, Samurai Japan, but there's no one that covers all 20. Um, And there's a lot of fans that want to know what's going on with all the other 19 countries that you're not from. So um, I was able to kind of fill that void and um, become sort of a content creator slash Uh, reporter slash graphic designer interviewer like kind of just a little bit of everything in the world baseball classic realm um, and just dedicated my whole January through March to the world baseball classic Um, and then from there it's just been mostly international baseball more generally but of course like you know it's I specialize in the world baseball classic because it's just so much fun
0: it truly is go ahead Vinny
2: yeah, no. I mean, you you answered one of my my initial questions which was kind of like what what do you do on a day-to-day basis and it sounds like you have your hand in kind of a lot of different a lot of different pools as to covering, you know, the WBC and international baseball itself. Yeah. And something that I'm curious about and obviously, you know, you you had mentioned it a little bit too when you were younger or, you know, about 2017, you almost felt like international baseball, you know, it wasn't even really a thought in your mind. And I'm sure that that's how kind of a lot of MLB fans are. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, the World Baseball Classic maybe opened some eyes this year, but why, in your opinion, should an average MLB fan care about international baseball or should they? Right. Like what, what should their relationship be?
1: Totally Vinny. That is a great question and something that I've actually been thinking about a lot recently because I think that, and again, this is from my experience, just not even realizing the world of baseball that was outside of the States growing up. There is so much baseball that we're just totally oblivious to, or at least just unfamiliar with. Um, And I think the reason why international baseball is so important to follow, there's a few reasons. One, a lot of those players come to MLB and become superstars. We have the best player maybe ever ever, came from Japan and now he's in MLB and like people had been talking about him in Japan for a decade prior to him coming over. But MLB fans just had no idea because he, it was a completely different language that he spoke in the opposite side of the world and in a completely different time zone. So it's hard to follow, but now that social media is so much, um, it's easier to follow a lot of leagues around the world because of social media, because of um, even just like Google translate the f- feature on Twitter or X that you can just like translate tweets. Now getting to follow players in like different countries is so much easier now than it ever was before. And something that I didn't realize growing up is that we have these leagues like NPB in Japan, KBO in Korea CPBL in Taiwan. Like there's so many ABL in, in Australia, which is starting on Friday. Um, so many leagues around the world that have been happening for decades, if not like sent like a century NPB has been, It was established over 100 years ago. And like they've had their whole league completely separate from the US. Like they've established their entire baseball country completely independent of like any baseball that we know. And I just think it's fascinating that like what we know of baseball and what they know as baseball is a very different thing, but there's still a lot of overlap because of the players that go back and forth. So to me, international baseball is just. Like it's just fascinating to me, especially in a world and in a country to where everybody talks about how baseball's dying. In so many other countries around the world, like baseball is thriving and the best that it's ever been. Like we had probably half of the national teams in the WBC were the best team that they've ever had in their history. And so it's it's not dying in a lot of places around the world. And I think that MLB and MLB fans can learn a lot from the way that baseball is being played across the globe.
2: Cool. Good. Very
0: Very great answer. answer. That is a fantastic breakdown, and you talk about the game growing and people saying that it isn't. Well, it is, and and we're <laughs> and you're seeing that firsthand. Um, we saw that the impact that the WBC had, but we also now have started to see organizations pop up across the world. One that you have the pleasure of being a part of with Baseball United. Would love for you to just give us a general breakdown of what is Baseball United. And also too, at the end, if you wouldn't mind just going through what your role entails and what that looks like.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. I am. I am so excited. Like this is something that I've been excited for for a little bit since, uh, since baseball United was founded. Um, so baseball United is a new professional baseball league. Um, just like any other baseball league in the world, it is going to be professional players that are paid. It's not like in Uh, like an amateur league or like a men's league. It is like a literal professional baseball league in the Middle East and in India, in the Indian subcontinent. Um, So this is the first league that has ever been created and established to cover both of those regions. There was for one year, I think in 2008, there was a professional, there was a league in Israel. It only lasted a year. But covering all of India throughout the Middle East, this is the first league that has ever been created. Um, And so it is next year will be their first season. They have four inaugural teams um, and they're hoping to uh, expand the following next year uh, to eight teams, I believe. Um, But yeah, it's, it's just a new baseball league. Like when, when do we ever get a chance to see a league start from fresh, like from the very beginning? Um, This is the first time that I can, I mean, I can recall thinking what a, a new league. So they, the way that the rosters are kind of structured right now, and I think what they are sort of going to specialize in is bringing in players that have played in MLB or have been in MLB organizations that are having a tough time getting contracts. Because with the like the shrinking of the MLB draft to only a couple rounds, as opposed to 40 plus rounds like it used to be, um, it's it's so much harder for a lot of players to get contracts now. And so there's a lot of players like D.D. Gregorius, Andrelton Simmons, who can still play baseball really well, um, that are just without a contract. And so you got a lot of like former MLB players, players that are still trying to play in MLB, um, former stars like Robinson Cano is gonna play in Baseball United this upcoming year. Um, you got a lot of former stars and current players that are gonna be on these teams, as well as it's going to be comprised of prospects and even some prospects and players from that region, which has like never been possible before. Like, There's going to be players in India that will be prospects that have played baseball in India as much as they could, but now we're going to be, be able to play in Mumbai or in Abu Dhabi and in uh, Dubai and uh, Karachi, Pakistan. So it's super cool. I am fully support um, what they're doing, um, and I can't wait to see it. This next week actually is the the inaugural like showcase. So they're, the first season starts next winter, but there's going to be a showcase next week, like a two-game showcase, like an all-star week cool. type deal to where you have the best players from their draft kind of team up for uh, an all-star West team and an all-star East team. So we're going to see players like Pablo Sandoval and Bartolo Colon going to be on the mound, Robinson Cano. Uh, I just interviewed a guy on my podcast who's from Finland. He's the first professional player ever from Finland, uh, he's going to be up playing. He played a, a game, the national sport in Finland, is called Pesapalo. It's not even baseball. He grew up playing it, and he only played baseball for the last two years, but he already throws like 94, 95 on the mound. So you had a lot of players from just like all around the world, all different walks of life, playing like their your entire career in professional baseball to a guy that just started playing two years ago. So it's going to be super interesting, and I, I can't wait.
0: There Now, there are there are some pretty big names that are investing in this league. I know Albert Pujols was just a part of, looked like a, uh, some form of an opening ceremony to maybe the showcase that you just discussed. So are these guys, they obviously see the vision and we know that, uh, you know, that is they're very, very wealthy countries as well. And then correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I know the money is there. So, what is the vision then for, for them? Because they, like I said, they have some very big names that are investing quite a bit of money into this league. So what does this vision look like?
1: Yeah. And the interesting thing is I was curious about that as well. When it was first started, I didn't really know what the league would look like um, from like a financial standpoint. Um, And while it is based out of Dubai, it's actually, it was founded by a guy from, from Houston. Like he's an American guy. Um, his name's Cash Shake and he's in charge of it all. Uh he's an entrepreneur. He's I know he's he's great. What he's, a name, man. He's such a cool dude too. Um, uh, like I've I've had the opportunity to talk to him a few times and he is just he just loves baseball. He's an entrepreneur that like has worked for a couple different companies, sold a couple companies. Um, and so he was just like I I'm passionate about baseball and I want to bring baseball to this region of the world. Um, and the, the thing I think that differentiates this league from any other sports league is y- you probably have the most like successful ownership group that has ever existed in that <laughs> <Yes>. respective sport. <laughs> yes. Like yes. you have Adrian Beltre, you have Mariano Rivera, you have Felix Hernandez, like all of these hall of famers, that are a part of the ownership group or like the executive group on the uh for the for the league and they're not names either that are taken lightly like a guy like adrian beltray has such so much credibility in baseball um and does not make unwise decisions um so to join an ownership group of an entirely new league in a a, a region of the world that is completely new to baseball um professional baseball is it, it speaks a lot about what cash and baseball united is doing and i think there's a lot of credibility that they were able to bring into the league when they had guys like rivera mariano rivera and adrian belt, belt- trade join um you said Pujols; he's he's like the global ambassador for the league so yeah he's he's gonna he's on on board with everything as well like it's just legends like all throughout the ownership group it's crazy
2: it's pretty wild to me that there hasn't been a league in the Middle East, right? Like I mean, it just seems so obvious to just have a league everywhere you can have one, right? I mean, yeah. It's one of the most popular sports in the world. Um but that does bring me to like another kind of question that I've I've pondered with international baseball itself and maybe I can focus on Baseball United, but how will the mm-hmm. rules be different or the same or, you know, how is that the gameplay going to be versus what we see in the MLB? yeah that's that is something honestly that i think a lot of people are waiting
1: to see um from what cash has mentioned and what i've heard from press releases and uh john medrick is also uh one of the owners he's he's talked about it a bit
0: the rules are going to be
1: very similar to the way major league baseball and all the major baseball leagues around the world work but they do want to be pretty experimental with some of the rules but they haven't said quite (laughs) what that is yet (laughs) so I think we're going to get a taste of that next week with the showcase. I don't know if it's, um, I I, honestly, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know what that really means yet, but I'm excited to see. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. What is, so what does that role entail for you? I mean, to, to now be a brand ambassador in, in, in your own right, but to be on more on the content side of, t- side of things. So obviously your impact that you made on social media with the WBC and international baseball over the last few years is obviously paid off. So what does this role entail? And, and tell us how excited you are about it. Yeah, I'm dude, I'm
1: so excited. It's so my role is I was uh, the opportunity to be on Baseball United's content core. Um, what that is, is essentially a group of content creators that have been able to partner with Baseball United uh, to create content for this showcase, for the league leading up to the showcase, um, basically just to create exposure for the league and for the players and for the teams. So what my role looks like is I, I'm able to interview players. I have like the opportunity to talk with coaches and the ownership group, hopefully, um, and Probably the coolest part about it is I'm actually going to be able to go to Dubai. Uh, I was just about week. to
0: ask if, you, if you're going to be doing so, that.
1: That is unbelievable.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, I'll be there for the showcase. So I'll be posting every day about it. So if you have any, anyone that's listening to this, if you want to know anything about Baseball United, I will be sharing everything that I can on Twitter and, uh, and Instagram throughout that week. So yeah, my, my basically my role is just to share what Baseball United is and, and provide content for that.
2: I will, your, your Twitter X or whatever you want to call it. I've, I've been, I followed you a couple days ago and I love the stuff that you post. You know, I haven't dove too deep into it, but I, you mentioned the, the player from Finland and he was the one that you just interviewed or you, you retweeted yeah. part of your interview with what, like, how cool is that? That he is, you know, traveled to six different played in six different countries and he's 22 and now he's going to be part of baseball United. Like, and then you mentioned like, you're going to have guys like Bartolo Cologne pitching it like who doesn't want to, tune in to see that like that's just so cool you know that's like a legend in MLB right now and so um really cool that we get to see that
1: yeah dude it's it's gonna be so much fun you and you're so right it's like so on for the the showcase they've already announced like the starters the starting pitchers for both teams so you have Bartolo Colon against Jair Jurgens so both MLB guys that are just like names that every baseball fan knows and loves. So it's going to be so much fun. And then behind Bartolo Colon, who played for 50 years, it seems like <laughs> you're going to have a guy from Finland who has been playing baseball for two years. Right. Yeah. Like and he's 22. it's, it's yeah. so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's 22 years old. So I That's really, cool. I think one of my favorite parts about baseball United is how they've committed to like having such a diverse league in, um, if you look at the rosters, it's like I don't have the graphic up right now, but it's riddled with players from so many different countries that like normally don't play baseball um, or are not known for playing baseball. Um, so they're giving opportunities to players like from the Middle East, from India, but then also some countries in Africa, uh, a lot of Europe. Like you get players from Germany, and there's a player from Italy that was drafted in the first round. Um, so it's it's going to be super cool to see and. As you know, like my thing is international baseball. I want to see baseball grow all around the world. So I think
0: that this is only going to help exponentially. Couldn't agree more. Talk about the game of baseball growing and what we could see as one of the most monumental off seasons in the history of baseball. Right? (laughs) We talked about the likes of Shohei Otani and and guys like uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, which we'll talk about here in a sec. We are seeing a wave of players coming in that I don't think we've seen in a very long time. And I, and I think we've kind of had a, you know, a player here or there, you know, Japanese mainly based uh, ball players that have really made a significant impact. But I think we have some pretty underrated names within this uh, draft class or the free agent class, excuse me, that we want to talk about. Starting with Yamamoto, who is the most coveted star. Everybody, that's the name that's out there. That's the name tied to all the big league uh, ball clubs. Yep. Who do you see as a comp to Yamamoto that is currently in the big leagues or was in the big leagues maybe or or retired?
1: Oh, man. A comp for (laughs) Yamamoto. That is so tough because, and the reason why it's so tough for me to come up with a comp is because you got to think about like, if basically the hype of Yu Darvish and Daisuke Matsuzaka with that kind of resume in Japan but significantly less miles on his arm and younger so it's like it's not something that we've really ever seen it's he is going to be worth i'm i'm pretty confident he's going to be worth every single penny that he's going to get and he is not going to come cheap either because he's looking at probably 20, 225 to maybe 250 million. Um, with which, with their posting fee that Oryx is going to get, the Oryx Buffaloes, it's going to be nearing like a 300 million dollar investment for whatever uh, whatever team decides to sign him. So, and which is like by far the highest a Japanese pitcher has ever got until Shohei Otani uh, gets signed this offseason. So, not the non-Otani contracts, he's going to have the highest uh, contract of of a Japanese pitcher ever, so and it, it it's it's going to be ridiculous.
0: Walk us through the 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 most underrated pitching matchup of the year that n- not a lot of people knew about, which was Roka Sasaki versus Yamamoto. I don't have the details of the game in front of me, but I know that you were tuning into that. Can you walk us through what that was like? I know you weren't there for the environment purposes, but what was that impact? What was what? How much impact did that game have on the country of Japan and the MPB? Yep. Yeah, I I didn't. I mean, I
1: I didn't watch too many NPB games this year. Well, I know that's tough. I know it's overnight it's, and all
0: that, but. It's a, the, the game started
1: at like three a.m. It is so hard to follow games. You did it's that for a year, Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I did that all of uh, all of March for the WBC. So yeah, I I, that is my one month for the next three years that I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, I did get up to watch that game. That was one game that I did watch live, and it was—I mean—it was historic. You have the best pitcher. I'm gonna, I, yeah, arguably the best pitcher ever in Japanese baseball history in Yoshinobu Yamamoto. No one has the resume that he he has against the pitcher that's supposed to be better than him. That's like the matchup that you're th- that you're looking at. You had, I mean, Roki Sasaki is probably one of the he's one of the best pitchers in the world. He's only 21 years old. Yosh- Yoshinobu Yamamoto, we're gonna be able to see him in, in MLB come next year. But in Japan, these have been the two guys. These have been the two best players that everybody's excited to see, that everybody loves in Japan, and they'd never faced off before. Um, And so being able to have them play each other in the season right before Yamamoto leaves, um, we got to see that matchup one time. It was was historic, Um, and it did not disappoint. I am trying to look up the numbers. I don't remember exactly what they're – Let's see. Okay, I found a tweet that I had. It says, uh, of the 13 innings that both of them pitched in that starting matchup, 20 Ks between the two of them, one earned run. (laughs) So it was like, it was the matchup that everybody wanted to see, and it did not disappoint. I mean, they were the two best pitchers on uh, Samurai Japan, other than uh, Otani, and in the WBC. So everybody was really excited all around the world to watch that matchup, and yeah, it did not
2: disappoint. Something I just thought of, and it doesn't have to be a long, I was just curious, do, do fans in Japan, do they ever get upset when Yamamoto or I'm assuming Roki at some point will come over to the MLB or show, Hey, do they get upset by, by losing some of their best players and not being able to watch them? Yeah.
1: I mean, definitely some of them do um, as anyone would to right. lose your best player. Like it's, it's disappointing when some of your best players leave your favorite league, Um, But I think there's a general understanding of someone like Yamamoto or Sasaki. Like these guys are generational. They are the best of the best and they deserve that type of price tag. Sure. Um, Even if you, like, NPB is second to only MLB in talent. Like their best players rival the best players in MLB. Like they are right up there with the best major league in the world. Um, but, and they do have a lot of money, but not quite MLB money. And so you see guys like Yamamoto want to come over and you're going to get $250 million, whereas you're not going to get that quite, quite that much in NPB. So I think there's a general understanding from Japanese fans. Um, it's sad, but a lot of them do watch MLB. And so sure. it's, it's still easy to watch. Granted it's in the middle of the night, but they'll still watch their players, uh, with whatever team it is. But, so I think it's just like any, any,
0: Player that would leave your team, you're going to be sad about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious. Yeah. Totally. Let's talk about
0: maybe a different comp that I thought might be interesting. A man referred to as the son of the wind, <laughs> the grandson of the wind, excuse me, grandson of the wind. His father was the son of the wind, Jung Hoo Lee out of the KBO. Are we looking at a less powerful Jose Atuve? Oh,
1: I like that comp. That's good. Okay. Yeah.
0: I, I like didn't realize. Th- I saw some of these guys, these kids at bats, man. This is, uh, this is going to be fun.
1: I, it would be, it would be Altuve if, so the difference is he's, so yes, let's just, let's back up. Let's start from the beginning. Jung-Hoo Lee, grandson of the wind, because his dad, also a KBO legend, was named uh, son of the wind. So oh, what a an, Which? where does that nickname. come
2: from? Do you know? Did, I think he's just freakishly fast. <laughs> oh,
0: and why did my father call me that when I was growing up? Like I wanted something <laughs> like that. That would have been outstanding.
2: Instead, you get something. I love
0: yeah. it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, but he's he's a five tool player. Like he's he's a center fielder. Um, he's I think twenty five years old. Um, but he has been the consensus best hitter in Korea for the last five six years. Um, I think over his seven year career in. Korea, he has like a 340 average. So there's the, there's the bat to ball skills you're talking about with Altuve. The only difference is he walks twice as much as he strikes out. So it's like, it's like Juan Soto-esque plate discipline. Um, Not quite as much power, but um, yeah, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Like he does not strike out. So double digit uh, base stealing ability, double digit pop um, plays a great center fielder. Um, so he's, I think he's probably going to play in a corner outfield position. It depends on the, it depends on the team that signs him. Cause he can play a really good center fielder, uh, center field position. But I think a lot of teams might be looking at him in left or right. Cause he doesn't have quite the arm strength that a lot of center fielders do. So maybe like a left field, I don't know, but yeah, he's great.
0: Awesome. One other guy that, um, who, and this is going to be a question I asked at the end of this, but I, I I might just give my opinion right now. I personally think one of the most underrated free agents in this group is Jota Imanaga. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, you got it. Yep. Disgusting splitter. And his fastball is close to 95 miles per hour, very high spin rate. Why is this guy not talked about enough? Is this just age concern? Is this mileage on the arm? Is, or is just, is that why, is just Yamamoto that good?
1: Yeah, I, I think that there is the concern might, might be the age. Um, he's 30. I think it also might be his height. He's not the biggest dude. He's 5'10, but, uh, Granted, uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto is only five ten, also, and that has not uh, been an issue for him at all. Um, so I think it's it, it's things like that. He does have the he is a little susceptible to the long ball um, because he doesn't throw a hundred miles per hour, and he throws up in the zone a good amount, um, or, or or at least his his ball rises a lot. So I think that's probably what most people like about him is his fastball. Uh, you know, you know, Saris.
2: Yes, yes. By, by chance, yeah. He's so the he's, he's a baseball He's the pitching guy. guy. Yeah. He mm-hmm.
1: loves, so he, he's the guy, that he created a, a statistic called Stuff Plus, mm-hmm. um, which okay. basically just encompasses your stuff, like whatever pitch you're throwing. It's like a number that just like OPS Plus or WRC Plus, it's Stuff Plus to just uh, like show you what the stuff is on a pitch and they're running on a of of that that's cool they're
0: running out of names they really yeah. are
1: yeah he just he made it from scratch he's like i'm gonna name this stuff plus i love it Good for him. Uh, <laughs> nobody can beat him <laughs> <laughs> but he so shota Imanaga's fastball had the highest stuff plus of any pitcher in the entire wbc so mm-hmm. that includes yamamoto that includes otani sandy alcantara uh, julio Urias and he had the highest of any of those pitchers. So I think that's probably why people like him so much. Um but that being said, it he doesn't have quite the numbers in NPB that uh like a Yamamoto does. No one does, but um I think that's why people might be underrating him a bit because his statistics don't quite match up to what his potential with that fastball uh changeup combination can
2: actually be. And that I thought this. I mean, I, I, part of me, like, because I thought about Senga too, right? Senga was, was NPB last yeah. year, correct? And um, he's 30 or he was 30 when he came over. Right. And I don't think he's the tallest guy either. So I just, I thought like, is that an interesting, like, are they comparable as well? Because he doesn't throw a hundred, but he's got his fork ball. Is-
1: yeah, I think so. I think that, I, I, the, the the interesting thing about Imanaga is that his marquee pitch is his fastball. He threw it fifty two percent of the time. I think it's like fifty something percent of the time um, this last season, which is by far the highest of any qualified pitcher in NPB. Um, and so it's really like a fastball changeup heavy arsenal. He has a slider and a curve as well, um, but it's like it's that fastball. So whereas um, Senga has that forkball that everybody loves. I think that Imanaga, his thing is his fastball. Um, it's it rises at time like that induced vertical break. I think I've it's over twenty that. inches. Yeah, mm-hmm. Which yeah, it's just crazy. It's,
2: like
0: <laughs> this was this was a ridiculous stat, Sean. I saw when I was doing a little read up on on him. He's so similar velo to Kodai Senga's uh, ghost fork, uh, mm-hmm. but of course, not many lefties throw a splitter. But there was a statistic that in the gold medal game with uh, between uh, Japan and the US, his splitter ran with these numbers so lefties to average 93 and a half miles per hour in their fastball with 20 plus inches of induced vertical break in the Hawkeye area, zero. <laughs> Shoda Imanaga that night was, was throwing that. And that's why when I saw this, I was, I was reading up on this guy. I was like, Holy cow. Like this is a guy that I would like, I'm we're, Vinny and I are both Cub fans. We're just a general baseball podcast. Yeah. But I was like, man, this would be somebody that'd be really nice. Even, even out of oh, the pen. Yeah. Holy cow. This kid seems legit.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, I think of it as, as an Astros fan, I watched Christian Javier come up from the minors, and I was like, "This guy throws like 92. I don't know what like the what all the hype is about." And then I would just see him blow it by people. I had had no idea why, and it was because of that induced vertical break. And I think that's probably similar to what Imanaga has. He only throws like 92. He can reach like 95, I think. So not so it's it's not the same as Senga, who I think averages probably like 96, sure. 95, 96. Um, but even though the Velo isn't there, it's it plays it plays up and it's super deceptive. So I'm, I, I mean, he, he's great. I I think he's going to help whatever team he signs with. It just depends on if he can limit the, the uh, long ball because uh, he doesn't throw that hard.
2: Christian Javier comp. I like it. Although hopefully he doesn't, although it's from the left side. Yes. And hopefully he doesn't take a step back like Javier did with his strikeout numbers, which, you probably yeah. saw firsthand, which is a little tough. I am as a fantasy uh, manager, very unfortunate. It was, it was very tough as well. <laughs> um, of course, yeah. Um, where do you uh, get just as a, a personal question? Because I get all of my stats from Savant and fan graphs and things like that on on MLB guys. International guys, I can't find any. Like, are there specific websites that you go to, or where do you get your your information from?
1: Yeah, I think outside of MLB, it does get tough. Um, and like less because of you have to go to a different website but more just because of the language difference there's just Uh such a big language barrier in other leagues so like i would go to um like statis.com for kbo stats or uh delta graphs for npb but those websites are in japanese and in (laughs) korean and so it it takes you so long to navigate through those websites (laughs) so i've been super fortunate to throughout the last year or two make a lot of connections with very credible um, content creators, reporters, and like analysts on on Twitter, mostly on X, um, that do similar things to as me with like international baseball, at least in that same sphere. Um, but they're from those areas. So from Japan or from Korea or Taiwan or from uh, like the Dominican or Puerto Rico. And so whenever I have a question, whenever I need help with like translating something, I, I have some go-tos that I'll normally Reach out to, but those those websites that I mentioned, Statis, I think it's called, and then Delta Graphs are, I think, probably the most credible for NPB and KBO.
2: Yeah, I just checked out um, the uh, Delta Graphs. Yep, I have no, I can't read any of it. But bad. (laughs) like, I can tell, like, there's baseball stuff on here, but I have no idea what any of it says. Um, Well, then,
1: then you even have like CPBL in. Taiwan and they don't really have their information anywhere. Like their like mm-hmm. stats it's run, it's owned by like the league. So if you have, I don't even know how it works. Like you may, you have to have like a league subscription or like league credentials to access those analytics. Otherwise you're out right. of luck. Like I right. don't think general fans really have those uh, access to those. So it's hard. Can
2: we, now, if, if, if... Sorry, Tyler. Um, If I'm just taking a step back, so we've talked about a few players and something that gets talked about a lot that I don't know if I've ever had, you know, and maybe it's dependent on player and situation, but yeah. um, How difficult or what are some of the biggest challenges? You know, there's obviously language, but when when you have a player that comes from a different country and tries to come to the Mm -hmm. MLB or vice versa, like, you know, we have um, Eric Fetty, right? Who went to Japan and now is coming back. Like, when players change countries to play, how difficult is it for you know a transition for them?
1: Yeah, it it's tough, man. And I a big part of it is the language barrier. Um, there are environmental changes that need to be considered. Even for example, like with NPB, they use a different baseball than MLB. Mm, like it's yeah, it's right. tackier. It's I think maybe a just like the slightest bit smaller. Um, and so, it, it, sometimes there's a concern that pitchers from Japan won't adjust to the ball. Like yeah. uh, I've heard some speculation that, um, uh, what's his name? There, there are players that played in in the WBC for team Japan that did not
0: pitch as well in the WBC. Yuki Matsui, he's right? Ball. Yuki Matsui. Yeah, so one Yuki of those. Matsui yeah. is one of
1: them. I, I, mm-hmm. He didn't do very well in the WBC. He was and- the next
0: guy I was going to bring up because literally. It- all the all the signs point up, and then it goes. Oh, one big concern: the the ball in Japan is actually smaller yeah. and harder, and he struggled with that in the WBC, which yeah. I thought was crazy. Yeah, it's it's really interesting
1: because you have things like like the language, like the ball. Um, but then you also, I think, there's just such a big cultural difference going to like those different parts of the world, from especially East Asia to the West. Like mm-hmm. they, there's a pretty stark contrast in cultures. So not only do you see players a lot of the time struggle from NPB, KBO, and CPBVL coming to MLB, but we don't see too many MLB players succeed in NPB. Like there's actually been very few that have gone over there that have thrived. Um, and so I don't know. I think there's just a lot of environmental factors and that cultural difference that is hard to overcome. think once you spend a year or two there you learn the language it makes it easier but it i think with the international baseball once i started seeing um how big the baseball world was it made me a little bit more empathetic to players coming over to the u.s whether it's from latin america or from the east um because it's hard it's it's super hard to to adjust and acclimate after living your whole life in another country
0: right yeah so then you know, just to finish up here on a, on the couple the two last intriguing names, you mentioned one earlier, we'll talk about Fetty here in a little bit, but Yariel Rodriguez, hmm. who is the story of the Cuban national team, um, defected from Cuba this past year, but had pitched in the MPB and was, was pretty successful and, but it w- wasn't in a starter's role. He was in a starter's role in Cuba yeah. is what my understanding was, and then converted to a reliever. Um. Arsenal plays fastballs up to ninety six, slider, you know, eighty five. You know, all these numbers look good. Now, what is what? So, what can we expect from somebody like him? Because I'm hearing upwards of fifty to sixty million for this guy. Like, there are some people that really want this kid. Yeah. So, with Yariel Rodriguez, I think that that
1: contract. I am very interested to see what that looks like because that that is starter money. Um, I don't really know there aren't too many teams that are willing to pay that for a relief arm. Um, And the thing about him is he, when he came from Cuba over to Japan, he came as a starter. Um, They wanted him to be a starter for the Chunichi Dragons, but didn't do too well. He was like league average. He was okay. Um, Didn't throw, wasn't, he was throwing like mid nineties and was getting hit pretty hard. Um, But then the following year in 2020. One no, 2022 is just last last season, not this season, but the the previous one. Uh, they converted him to uh, a relief arm, high leverage relief arm. He was the setup man uh, for Chunichi, and he dominated. Like he was one of the best pitchers in all of Japan, in any on any team. Uh, I think he's his ERA all year hovered around one. Um, his he only really throws a fastball. And a slider. It's really only a two pitch mix. Those are really so, okay. Okay. And, and but his, his four seam, it tops out at 100. He um, can reach triple digits. He throws, I think, averages 96, 97 now. Um, and because of that two pitch mix, I think that's why he was so dominant in the bullpen rather than as a starter. Um, because what happened is in, for the WBC, they actually converted him, the Cuban team converted him back to a starter to be in the rotation. And he did really well. But you could see the end of the second, the third time through the rotation, he started to get hit a little bit. So all that being said, I'm very curious to know whether a t- teams are looking at him as a starter or as a reliever, because I haven't seen confirmation one way or another. And I think that price tag is probably going to depend a lot on the team that signs him and what their role is for him, because uh, I, don't, I don't really know whether it's going to be in a bullpen or in the rotation.
2: Yeah. And you, you're starting to see a little emergence of two pitch guys, right? I mean, obviously Spencer Strider yeah. and um, this last year we saw Justin Steele take a huge step forward. I think Hunter Green mm-hmm. is also a two pitch pitcher. Um, there's, as well. yep. Yeah. There's quite a few of them, right. That, that are are stepping forward. So maybe, you know, oh, yeah. maybe that won't be a, a, a hindrance. I hope not because um, you'd love to see, love to see that kind of talent as a starter. Oh Yeah.
1: Um, he, he was dominant, like when he came out of the bullpen, he looked great. And then in the WBC, when he was uh, changed back to a starter, he looked awesome. He was getting everybody to whiff even against team Netherlands with guys like Jerkson Profar, Didi Gregorius, like a lot of big league names. Like he was, he was striking out everyone. I think he was probably the first guy to impress fans around the world because that first game of the WBC was (laughs) the Netherlands versus Cuba. So everybody was watching that one game. Uh, So he's a name that I'm really excited to see. And honestly, probably the most underrated or at least least talked about of all these guys that we've talked about because no one's really talking about him. I've seen Mm -hmm. him linked to like the usual uh, Cuban pipelines, like the Astros and the White Sox. But then you got, I, I know that I've seen teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox and Not sure about the Cubs, but maybe, maybe. Well, we
2: won't have any money after we sign Shohei and uh, trade for (laughs) Ron Soto. But the biggest uh, it is
0: every every Cubs Cubs fans' wish. I mean, it it would they would not need a Christmas gift for the next twenty years.
1: (laughs) You got yeah. From every Cubs fan I'm seeing on Twitter, it's the off season is basically going to look like you're going to get Otani you are going to trade for Soto. Yamamoto is going to be there. So you're going to find a way to, to get the money together.
0: I saw a projected 2027 lineup and I sent it to one of my buddies and I was like, how false is this going to be? And he's like, well, <laughs> they really need to pull through. Cause there, there is a lot of hype around the Cubs right now. So um, I, I, I think one of the last guys to talk about one of the best stories of, of, you know, of the free agent class is Eric Fetty. Um, he's uh mm. He was non-tendered by the Washington Nationals or released in 2022 by the Nats. Uh, he is to winning the Cy Young in the KBO, a 20 and six record with a two ERA over 180 innings. How, what happened to this guy? <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'm curious as well. <laughs> I don't really, know. It's, it's unbelievable.
2: Because did he, you did did you go through his stats before too? Like, no, no, I didn't see a stat. 545 ERA in his last season on the Washington Nationals with 127 innings. And he walked four batters per nine. Yeah, he just, he was horrible. 5.81, 5.47 ERA. But yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Sean. Just send your pictures to Korea. That's just what you do. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, oh, man. It's, he had <laughs> my
1: favorite stat is, and I made this graphic on Twitter. It was like, it was like the world wins above replacement the world war rankings like of all Hmm, players in all of the different leagues all in one ranking so it doesn't really mean much (laughs) because you can't really compare like kbo war (laughs) to mlb to npb but it was fun to see it's just fun and Mm -hmm. he was like fifth in the world in wins above replacement (laughs)
2: that's wild
1: it was it's pretty ridiculous he was the best pitcher in in all of korea um i'm not going to pretend to Like know what his pitch arsenal is because I don't Um, and I haven't really done much research on it but I do know from what I've seen and heard is there was a pitch mix change. Um, I think that he may have gone more towards a sweeper whereas maybe before it was more of a conventional slider. I know Mm -hmm. that the sweeper was nasty this year uh, for him but yeah dude he dominated. He had over 200 strikeouts in how many innings? 174 innings. It's it's crazy. So I'm really hoping he gets another chance in MLB. Um, KBO fans are not. They want him to stay, but yeah, I, yeah, we'll see. I think he's even been, there's been some reports that he may even try Japan. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think right now it's really up in the air, but I'm I'm so happy for him.
0: That was also a thing I wanted to, I, I forgot to make clear too. Like all these guys don't necessarily end up in the MLB next year. I know that, that these guys yeah. could end up in different leagues, but Primarily a lot of these guys have expressed interest in coming to the MLB. And with the, you know, for for the pitchers in the group, you know, it's it's obviously we have Shohei at the top of the group and Nola and some of these other arms like Blake Snell. But yep. Besides that, there there is some room for for some growth in an area, and they can see that from the international side. Talking about Fetty, we saw a similar situation with Merrill Kelly, who has now turned into one of the better pitchers in the league. He got it. He got a similar. He got a deal of around two years with uh, the d Dbacks. Kelly did. Can we see something like that similar to Fetty? Or if you don't know much about what his projections are on that run, that's totally fine. But I thought that was kind of interesting. Like two year with a club option, two year with a player, something like that.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I think that that's very reasonable. And he, I mean, he clearly fixed something. His he's looking great. I think what is he thirty years old now?
2: Yes, yeah, yeah. He'll
1: be he'll be thirty one by the start of next season. So he's still got years. He's still got years to go. Especially um, whether it's a team, maybe he'll spend another year in Korea, or maybe he'll spend one year in Japan. But I th- I'm sure that his goal is to come back like a Merrill Kelly. Yeah. Um, because you see guys like Merrill Kelly that have had success with that, or Nick Martinez with the Padres. Like he he played in uh, the KBO for a few years and has been great uh, for the Padres. So, yeah, I I'm super excited for him. Um, and I think if if it's money that he wants, he'll probably come back to MLB. If if I mean, but honestly, this is kind of taking it a different direction. But NPBS money too. Like they they don't have quite MLB money, oh. but Roberto Osuna just signed for like twenty seven million dollars. Which is pretty substantial for only like a four-year deal.
2: Is he still a um, closer over there?
1: Yeah, he's he's killing it over there. He's, he looks
0: he looks big too. I don't know what yeah, they're yeah. doing over there, but my lord, is this man big. <laughs> <laughs> he's hitting, the, a big boy. hitting the weights
1: and then probably also eating very well.
0: It's <laughs> <But laughs> yeah, probably also a fun.
1: name that uh, a lot of uh, MLB fans haven't heard from in a while.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. seriously, he was electric. Um, well, thank you for that breakdown of those free agents. I'm. Vinny and I in our entire podcast we are ex- super super excited about Yamamoto but I thought it was important that we discuss these other guys because um and I'm blanking on the individual or the player that was with the A's this year that moved over to the they got traded to the Orioles what was his
1: name uh Fujinami yeah. Shintaro Shintaro Fujinami underrated
0: name guy that nobody talked about brought over to the Orioles and they were like wait this dude throws 100 like this is this is legit. So I think it's very important to talk about these guys because these names are populating pretty heavily.
1: Yeah, I completely agree, and I'm so glad that you brought them up because, like, if you go on like any sort of social media, the extent of like the international free agent talk is Yamamoto. <laughs> so it's so much fun to be able to talk about the other guys. Like there are there are big names. You have the best player in Korea for the last couple of years coming to MLB. You have. One of the best arms in all of Japan from Cuba, Yariel, coming over, like you have some studs that are going to be in MLB next year. And that's going back to what you said, Vinny, like that's why I think that international baseball is so fun, because if you pay attention early on when they're in these other leagues, then you'll know so much more about them when they actually do come over to MLB.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. and if you play fantasy, you'll be able to to scoop him up at cheap cheap cost and everything, right? Um, oh man,
1: dude, I, I'm I'm going hard for Yamamoto this next year. I think he's going to slip. I'm in a dynasty league, and I still think I'm going to get him pretty
2: cheap. I um, so oh. I, I'm in a dynasty league too. I'm in many dynasty leagues. Do you is your draft? Um, what do you know? What number pick you'll have in the draft? I'm
1: at like five. So, yeah, I don't know if you're gonna get him. (laughs) Well, I don't know. It's the thing. So, you got now we're going fantasy, right? You got got Dylan Cruz, uh, Paul Skeens, yep. And then after Mm -hmm. that, uh, I don't know. Last year, it did seem like Yamamoto was gonna be a sleeper, but I think there's just too much hype on him now.
2: So, I mean, I think you're right.
1: Yeah, might need to trade up.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely, right? I mean, yeah, especially with the six. with the success that Senga had this year too, you know, I think people are yeah. just going to see that and just going to, you know, build on top of it and think, you know, and be, because I, I could see so White Langford's one. And then after that, you know, if you're competing and you need pitching, I could see taking Yamamoto too over Cruz. And so, yeah, you got to be really high up there and that's, you know, that's just the kind of yeah. talent that, that he is. Um, I did have one. of No, you're questions. right.
1: Thank you for crushing my dreams. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, no.
2: Um, I did have one other question as a, a baseball fan, right? So when I was when I was younger, we for about ten years or so, when I was about nine or eight or nine years old, we started hosting players from Team Japan. Like fifteen-year-old Team Japan would send players to play in a tournament, you know, in Illinois, and players would come over from all around the world. You know, Cuba, Panama. Um, I think they had Costa Rica one year. And so that was a really awesome experience. And we would host two players. So two players would stay with us. And one of the things that I learned, so we would watch them for two weeks and obviously these kids would live with us. And Mm. I learned so much about baseball in such a different respect, right? I mean, they treat Mm. the game totally different, right? They, they bow for their fans. They bow for the umpire, little things like that, just things that we never see. They just have such a respect for the game. And one of my, this long winded question where I'm headed is what are some things around the world that you have seen in other baseball countries or, you know, NPB or whatever it is that just kind of like shock you or, or make you see the game differently or, um, you know, just not something that you expected uh, from the MLB or something.
1: Wow. That is such a good question. Um I th- and-, and the reason is because I think that like that's, that, that's just something that's fascinating for me to think about because um, I think that there are pretty significant differences in like baseball culture almost mm-hmm. yep. in different countries around the world, the different ways that it's treated, um, the different ways that the fans interact with players. And it's so different in so many different countries because you have so like we'll start with like Japan it's like baseball is the number one spectator sport there. Mm-hmm. Whereas here it, baseball is like three or four, <laughs> like a lot of people, like a lot of kids don't do not care about baseball yeah. there. It is. It is the most important thing. Um, and their baseball players are the most famous athletes. So it's already held in a higher regard, but then you, you on top of that, you have the Japan is like, so built on like a sense of respect and mm-hmm. honor that it's not only like with family, but like it, it bleeds it out into baseball. Um, like you said, you see, like the, the players will bow. Um, the teams are pretty respectful towards each other, and fans are very respectful towards each other. There's not quite as many uh brawls, uh, <laughs> it's pure happiness. Or on the field. It's
0: <laughs> it just looks like pure happiness the entire uh duration of every single game.
1: It just looks like everybody wants to be there, and they're like love to be there. Um, Which, yeah, like it's...
2: you posted earlier too, the the junior Caminero getting into it's not just the MLB that kind of is is a little rough around the edges. There's a lot of you know like Puerto Rico or Dominican or wherever. Like there's a lot of places that that don't see it in the same way like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're so right. Like it's not just MLB and even I would say it's even more of a stark contrast between like Latin American baseball mm-hmm. culture and an East Asian baseball culture, because it's like one is, is so much about respect and so much about like, like honor and um, I guess like, like the purity of baseball. Now they, yeah. they still have fun. They still do bat flips and everything, but then this <laughs> other side, like there is just in like Latin American baseball is so much about a flair. style like the fun of the game it fun in a different way like they're both having the most fun possible but in completely different ways um so you like you're right like that junior camonero fight like it's just so much passion um and it just manifests itself in a completely different way because the cultures are different so it is it is very interesting to see that you're you're so right
2: or like, even if anyone has ever watched a little league world series game with Puerto Rico, the fans are just nonstop. Right. And like, yeah, I mean, like you said, <laughs> there's just a passion, there's a fire. So I was just curious if, yeah, like if there was anything that kind of stuck out to you, but um, yeah, interesting how the regions, um, you know, maybe define a little bit of how they view ba- baseball and the culture. I just, I, I always thought that that was so interesting how it just, it's, it almost yeah. feels like maybe it's a different sport in a way um, depending on where you go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Totally. I mean, I, I've always been fascinated by like cultures and different peoples from different countries in general, um, love traveling and meeting people from all around the world. And so when like bringing baseball into that and seeing how baseball is affected by culture is Mm -hmm. super fascinating to me. And like, I, I'm actually, uh, I'm really excited to see how baseball will look when it continues to grow throughout Europe and hopefully maybe in the middle Mm -hmm. East, because- European sports is a completely different thing to what yeah. you have <laughs> in East Asia, there. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, like like watching the uh, the London series this year uh, when Cubs were in it, mm-hmm. right?
2: Yep. yep, against the Cardinals. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. It yeah, it was a very. Yeah, it was wonderful. A-
1: actually, speaking of that, it was the Swanson. It was Dansby's home run. I was I was watching or listening to the British broadcast oh, and hearing cool. them announce like a home run was the coolest thing because it just sounded like a goal in soccer. Like they, they announced things completely different. And so it's just like little things like that, that I'm excited to see as baseball continues to grow around the world in Europe and Africa and, and East, different parts of Asia, the way that baseball is going to like tie into culture.
2: Yeah.
0: It's awesome. Very great breakdown. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Well, great question. That is a great question, Vinny. And I, I think an. Another interesting topic, and I know we're running up on the hour here, Sean, so we really appreciate all your time. (laughs) Um, One of the things that, one of your tweets the other day that really hit home for me was uh, baseball Major League Champions this year and the length of drought they ended. The Texas Rangers, 62 years. The Hanshin Tigers, and I apologize, I'll butcher that name. The LG Twins out of the Korean Baseball League. Yep, KBO, yep, you got it. And then the We Twins. June Dragons? Is that how you say yeah. that? Yeah, I think it's wei Shuan Dragons. 38 years for the Tigers, twins for 29 years, 24 years for the Dragons, and I think one video that I do want to just share here on the screen that is one of my favorite baseball videos I've uh, I personally have ever seen in my life and I'm going to share it here on the screen for the YouTube folks. But this video Is the craziest thing I've ever seen. And for the folks that are listening, um, I apologize for the loud noise, but the folks that are listening uh, over uh, Spotify or Apple or whatever won't be able to see this. But what we're showing right now is the video of the Dragons from the Taiwanese uh, baseball league winning their championship and throwing legitimate streamers across the entire field does this happen every year in this league because i might be watching the championship every single year i might be doing the (laughs) sean spradling special and be up till 3 a.m for this type of game i mean how cool is that man it is the it is the coolest visual
1: like it just if you i highly recommend listeners to go to youtube for this because the entire screen just like turns red (laughs) it's just like vivid red that comes out of nowhere like you just see a normal baseball field with filled with fans, and then it just all turns <laughs> red. Um, and actually it does, it's like a tradition. So I think it does happen, if not every year, every few years, I th- think maybe every year, there was a couple other videos that I saw that people like reply to my tweet with, that with mm-hmm. like previous years where they throw out the streamers. It, it looks so cool. And Well, cause CPBL how much they care too, right? Go ahead, yeah. sorry, go ahead. Well, no, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Ta- the Taiwanese fans, if you didn't get a chance to watch any games in Taiwan for the WBC and group a their fans are like the most passionate fans, like, but in, in a completely different way, again, from like a lot of the other places in the world, but like they are singing, like singing songs from the first pitch to the end, even if they're down 10 runs, like awesome. they are in it the whole time. It is like a, it's like a game for them. And like at a whole entertainment event, like baseball should be, so, like, you have, like, yell, cheer leaders on top of the dugouts. You have, like, dance teams on top of the dugouts. It's an entire event outside of even just the baseball on the field. And the fans just get so into it. So, I wasn't – when I saw that with the streamers, I wasn't surprised because, like, that's just how Taiwanese fans are. But it just looks so cool.
0: The players throwing them too. I thought that was just, like, they were, like, instead of them worrying about, you know, the dog piling, which is, you know – which is sick to do, but yeah, like they were throwing them and they're like, Oh yeah, we have to dog pile. Now it was like, they (laughs) wanted, everyone wanted to be a part of it. 24 years. I don't care who you are as a baseball fan is a long time for anything. I know that there's a lot of MLB teams that are still in that realm. But, yeah. like, to feel that energy, like, I, my question was written down, which you've already answered, is, like, what is truly the significance in these countries to teams mm. that have not won in 24-plus years? But you answered that beautifully. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm just excited to see, man, what you do for this game, the international uh, landscape of baseball, like we talked about at the beginning, because I think people don't recognize they see baseball, you're, even the podcast title, where it's baseball isn't boring. It is not. And – When people think it is, the MLB is making changes that I've loved this past year to to elevate the game at a standard that's more um, applicable to a younger audience. And what people like yourself are doing where you're showing, look at what this game can be and look what it's doing. And the hype around the next WBC is real. And I think it's already starting now.
1: Like it's not even until 2026 and people are hyped for it already.
0: I get chills thinking about it, man. I get chills thinking about it. Like when Trout walked out there with the USA flag like that, I, oh. I that's going to be up in this office here pretty soon.
2: Oh, that or was just like that was one the of the final, day. the, the, the you, I mean, even though it's not good for team USA, just show, Hey, striking out Trout, like that situation, like you got to get cinema. a picture of that somewhere and frame it because that is just a beautiful moment.
1: It was beautiful. It was the best. I mean, it was the best baseball moment. Like yeah. just Ev- it was like what everybody, ever, everybody wanted ever.
2: Right. Like, There was only –
1: the only way that that at-bat could have ended was either a strikeout or a home run. Or a home run,
2: Like, Mm -hmm. everybody knew it. (laughs) And then to throw 99 right down the middle and just say, hit it, and he – it
0: just still gives me chills to this day. Gives me chills. So good. Well, Sean – we can't thank you enough. Um, we're going to put up your, uh, Twitter here on the screen if, for the folks that are watching on YouTube, but just, you know, for people that are tuning in, uh, audio wise and, and just in general, like where can they find you? Um, and, in in what, you know, where can they, uh, find your stuff at?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So my, so basically I just report on, and I just, I just can't like create content for international baseball. So nothing like special, nothing super specific. The baseball world is massive. And so it's it's just like I kind of try to cover as much as I can with baseball around the world. Um, Mostly on Twitter at Sean underscore Spradling uh, as you had on the screen. Um, Just created an Instagram for baseball finally after a a lot of people asking me to, um, because I just, I, I had a hard time with Instagram. It was just with the pictures it, and like having to post all the time. I just it took me a while to get to that point. So you but have like I your personal one.
0: page. You have your personal page, but then you have now your own baseball affiliated page. Is what you're saying?
1: Yeah, I have like my own personal Instagram, which you're welcome to follow as well. But it's mostly going to be follow like- it me in the food I eat and like going <laughs> to movies. Like it's not that exciting. And then there's also this at Sean underscore Spradling, which is the baseball one. I'm on TikTok and I have my podcast and uh, on YouTube as well. So yeah, a little bit of uh, everything around everywhere. Um, but rather than following me, or I guess in addition to following me, you can follow me too. Just like follow baseball in all of these mm-hmm. different leagues. Like there's there's so much baseball happening right now. Like there's winter leagues all across um, Latin America, the Australian baseball league is starting in like a day or two. Baseball United is starting next week. So there's like, I see some people tweet like, Oh, I really miss baseball, which yeah, MLB is the best, but like, there's so much baseball happening right now. So you don't have to miss it.
2: Yeah, Sean. I mean, so as an avid baseball fan and fantasy fan, uh, like fantasy baseball, I play in a lot of leagues. Right. And so I, I know very little about the international market, but you have like opened my eyes to the possibilities and the different leagues around the world. So um, thank you. I, I'm excited to dive into some winter baseball now. Now I don't have to look at the same players and the same stats over and over this winter. I feel like I can actually kind of expand. So um, I'll definitely be following your stuff and, and uh, thank, yeah, you, man. thank you for your time and thank you for opening my eyes a little bit.
1: No, this was awesome. Thank you so much for having me on the pod. I mean, I love coming on here and talking with y'all. So, hopefully, I'll be
0: the first, third recurring guest. As well. <laughs> See you next week. See you yeah. next week. Well, yeah. to everyone that tuned in, to all the new listeners, we really appreciate you t- uh, tuning in for the first time, and to all our um, you know individuals that listen all the time. You know, Sean is somebody to truly follow, and if to for your interest in baseball. Um, I can promise you it's worth it Uh, to everyone that's tuning in. Thank you so much for tuning in for another edition of the big fly pod. And we'll talk to you again here soon.